Today on Bold Steps with Mark Job, we'll see how God's power is ignited by faith and belief. When faith is present, things begin to happen. The environment in which the Spirit of God manifests Himself with greater power is the atmosphere of faith where people are believing God for extraordinary things. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job, Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago and President of Moody Bible Institute. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today, as we move forward in our Jesus Up Close series, we'll be looking at the encounters Jesus had with various people who felt there might be something more. And if you've ever felt like you're missing out on God's calling for your life or that you've made too many mistakes and it's too late to repair your relationship with your son or daughter or maybe you're struggling in your marriage, then this message is for you. Mark, tell us more about the scripture we'll be studying today. Yeah, today we're in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. It's such a compelling story because in this story you have a father who is in a situation that he thinks it's too late. Mm -hmm. And I love that Jesus walks into a desperate father's world and he reminds him that with God, it's never too late. Beautiful. And there's some lessons, some powerful, deep, profound lessons that we learn in this story, especially if you think that your situation is beyond repair. Well, your message title says it well today. It's not too late. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 23. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue's rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A couple weeks ago I talked to you about the woman with an issue of blood. Jesus encounters this woman, gets distracted by her. He, the whole event surrounding this woman and her healing takes place. And after that, in verse 35, it says, While Jesus was still speaking to this woman that had been healed, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? You see, they felt like it was too late. Verse 36, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. I want to set the scenario for you a bit. Jairus was an official from the synagogue. He was a high up leader, a religious man. The synagogue for the Jews was the equivalent of the church for us. He was familiar with the things of God, familiar with Scripture. He was a man that had lived a fairly righteous life. He was looked up to by people in the community as someone that did good. But something happened to him that would shake his world. Now maybe you know that bad things happen to good people as well. Something 
happened to him that just rocked his entire world. His 12-year-old daughter became very sick. How did it start? I don't know. Maybe it started with a minor fever and, Mom, I need to stay home today because I'm feeling not too good. And, you know, kids get sick a lot. You don't think too much about it. You test their head and have them lay down, cover them, keep them hydrated, give them juices. But it's every parent's nightmare when the sickness gets worse and doesn't seem to improve. I have three kids. I've been down that road. I think every parent has. Every parent that's ever had a sick child that you had to take to the hospital and suddenly the fever escalates and you don't know what it is or the coughing or the lack of breathing kicks in heavy. My son Grant, when he was a baby, he uh, had trouble sometimes breathing. He had issues with um, croup cough and he would get really congested. I'll, I'll never forget one time waking up and he was just a little baby and he, he was coughing and that hoarse croup cough that, and, and wheezing as he tried to breathe, <gasps> crying. And, and the more he cried, the less he could breathe. And so he turned on the, the hot water in the, in, in, in the, bath, in the bathroom and it, scolding hot so it was full of steam and we took him in there trying to get him to breathe and then we, we took him and opened up the window it was really cold out there and 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 had had him hanging out kind of trying to breathe a little bit and it wasn't getting any better and finally we had to call the ambulance and the ambulance came and he was struggling to breathe and I remember as a father saying God he's my child Lord open up his his air path Lord make him be able to breathe he's uh, he, he's my son. There's a desperation that happens when it's your child. How many of you parents know what I'm talking about? I have a 13-year-old son, Grant. I can relate to this age. Twelve is a tender age. It's before they've hit their tough high school years. By the time they're 15, it's not so tender, is it? This is a tender age. There's still a little child going into the tween years. This is a little girl. She hadn't yet hit puberty, 12 years old, moving into what it meant to be a little girl. I'm sure the apple of her father's eye. She had become so sick that it was beyond doctor's care. Now... Jairus, who had heard that Jesus was a healer, had power to change people's destiny around. In his desperation, he went with his officials and sought Jesus. And you can see by his approach to Jesus that this was no just, hey, Jesus, could you come over and just pray for my daughter? No, no, he was desperate. The Bible says that he pleaded with Jesus. That, that he came and he pleaded earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come if you could just put your hands on her so that she would be healed and she could live. It would be different, Lord. If you're taking notes today and you feel like a situation is too late, I want you to jot this down. 
For those of you that feel like situations have gotten beyond solution, I want you to learn from this story. First of all, it's not too late, but you will be tested by circumstances that will challenge your faith. He pleaded with Jesus, and I'm sure that he had an excitement of joy when Jesus said, I'll go with you. Rumors spread throughout the synagogue. His officials were elated. Jesus is coming. So there was a surge of hope. Maybe things can change. Yes, he's on his way home. He'll visit our house. If Jesus is coming, maybe the entire story can change. And this will be a story of gladness instead of a story of sadness. Jairus was walking along Jesus it's this way Jesus it's this way the Bible tells us that there was a huge crowd and you remember the woman with the issue of blood that reaches out and touches Jesus and Jesus stops and says who touched me Sir Jairus is saying Jesus uh, you know come on we we don't have time and she's sick and Jesus stops and he's asking and he's talking and the woman comes and engages in a conversation I'm sure he sighs Jairus thinking it's late Jesus come on there's a big need over here we really need to hurry up it's my little girl Jesus speaks words of healing to this woman he stops in the middle of the crowd and addresses this woman and then Jairus hears the news as soon as Jesus is done speaking to this woman he turns around to go with Jairus and Jairus hears the news from a man from the synagogue those words that no parent wants to hear, those words that will send a shock through your system, those words that would bring an agony to your soul that would paralyze you on the moment, that would send you into a big dark black hole, those words that will rivet your world, those words that will, will cause a hollowness to come in, a numbness of the spirit, simple words, your daughter is dead. I can't imagine what Jairus felt. Jesus heard the words. And they said, why bother your teacher anymore? Uh, Jesus doesn't have to come, it's too late. Maybe you felt that way before. I'm not even going to bother praying about that it's just too late I'm gonna bother trying to get help or reaching out to someone to intervene because I just I don't think it's gonna change I don't think there's hope Jesus hears the words and ignoring what they said Jesus told the synagogue ruler don't be afraid just believe it's interesting that Jesus says two things first of all he says don't be afraid you see faith and fear are not always compatible anywhere you see in scripture where fear begins to take over you will see that fear pushes faith out the door fear begins to focus on the failure what can go wrong 
It's an emotion that gets a grip on our life and begins to say, it's not going to happen, we'll never make it. It begins to focus on the worst case scenario. Uh, it tells us that Paul told young Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Anytime that you make decisions out of fear, you are not making God decisions. Once in a while, I'll run into someone that wants to get married. I've had conversations with young ladies and a 21-year-old lady will say to me, well, you know, I'm dating this guy and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to get engaged to him. And she tells me the story and I think, wow, you just told me everything that's wrong about this relationship and why do you want to get engaged now? Literally had this happen. I'm 21 years old. I'm never going to find the person for me. Already, already 21. Settle down, honey. I think you have a few more years left in life. Fear. Fear that maybe I missed the mark. Fear that maybe I won't find anybody love me. And fear that maybe it's not going to work out. And so I grab onto something in fear rather than in faith. Faith says, I believe that God has a purpose and a destiny. And it's in His will. Fear drives us to make decisions out of despair. So Jesus says to this man, do not fear. But instead, do the opposite and believe. Do not fear, but yet believe. You're listening to Mark Job on Bold Steps, and we're hitting pause on today's program just to make sure that you know where to find these daily programs in case you ever miss it on the radio. Just go online to our main website at boldstepsradio.org and catch up anytime. Or if you prefer to listen to these teachings while you're out on the go or perhaps during a workout, you can subscribe to our podcast. You also might enjoy the Bold Steps Minute, a quick word full of biblical truth to help give you guidance and perspective in your everyday life. You'll find us on most of the major podcast app by searching for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. And in addition to these daily messages, Mark is also releasing new video content exclusively on the Bold Steps YouTube channel, so be sure to subscribe there as well. He shares brand new teachings and short videos each Tuesday on subjects like identity, living on mission, even dating and marriage. And you can subscribe today by searching for Bold Steps Radio on YouTube or type in youtube.com slash at Bold Steps Radio. Now, let's get back into the second half of Mark's message. He'll be reminding us that sometimes you have to go against the crowd and the grain. Number two, I'm talking about when you think it's too late. I want you to notice that it's not too late, but you may have to walk through a crowd of disbelief by yourself. First of all, I want you to notice that you will be tested by circumstances that will challenge your faith, and usually it gets worse before it gets better. Secondly, I want you to notice that oftentimes, as we're walking towards the destiny, the change, the turning point, you may have to walk through a crowd or an atmosphere of disbelief by yourself because there may be many around you that do not believe that change can happen. There'll be people around you that don't believe that God can turn a person's life around. 
It tells us in the scripture that as Jesus began walking towards his destiny, he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Verse 37 says, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him and he put them out. I want you to notice that as Jesus is walking towards this crowd, getting close to the house of the synagogue leader, he heard what you hear at a lot of funerals. He heard the weeping, the wailing, the mourning, the crying. The interesting thing, however, is that in the Jewish culture, any funeral that was a part of any middle-class family usually actually hired mourners. There were professional mourners. I know it seems strange to us, but part of their culture, since even the poor, uh, uh, a scholar by the name of Lane says, since even the poorest man was required by common custom to hire a minimum of two flute players and one professional mourner in the event of his wife's death, it's probable that one who held the rank of a synagogue ruler would be expected to hire a large number of professional mourners. So their job was to go to funerals and to wail and mourn and to, you know, cry out loud. Imagine having that job. So when's our next gig? Tomorrow night. Okay, all right. Let's smear our mascara, all right. Let's practice in the mirror, the really sorrowful faces. Uh, okay, now I want you to be loud, okay? All right, everybody together, high five. Now let's go do it. And so they'd arrive at the funeral, not even knowing the person that had died. And they would be the professional mourners. They would wail and they would mourn and they would cry. Now you understand how they could switch their mourning to laughter so quickly. Jesus arrives, they're all mourning, wailing, ah, ah, crying out. And Jesus says, why is all the commotion? She's sleeping, not dead. And then suddenly they crack up. And they're laughing now and ridiculing him. Their sorrow wasn't true. They didn't believe. The crowd did not believe that Jesus could turn things around. It was too late already. And I want you to notice that when Jesus went to the room where this little girl lie, that Jesus brought with him only the inner circle of his disciples. He brought Peter, James, and John. These were the inner core of the 12 disciples. These were the men that Jesus had taken to the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember that? He was on the mountain and the glory of God appeared. These were his inner core, his fired up, faith-filled. They had seen God in his glory. They had seen the manifestation of the power of God. They believed that Jesus could do anything. 
Let me tell you something. Sometimes you're going to walk through a crowd of unbelief where everybody around you believes that it's over, that it's too late, that nothing can change, that there is no hope. And sometimes you're going to walk through an atmosphere of unbelief as you are moving to the destiny of a touch of God. It tells us in the very next chapter, I don't know if you remember this, the next chapter in Mark chapter 6, Jesus went to his hometown. In chapter 6 verse 5 it says, And he could do no miracles except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. When Jesus went to his own hometown, there was such an atmosphere of unbelief that when Jesus even attempted to do some things in this oppressive atmosphere of unbelief, it said he could do no miracles because of their atmosphere of unbelief. Listen, I believe that there's something about an atmosphere of faith that allows the power of God to surge in extraordinary ways. I believe there's something about an atmosphere of doubt that puts a wet blanket over what God could do. My prayer is that you, you and I are people of such faith, believing God for such extraordinary things, that when we gather together in a gathering like this on Sunday morning, that the atmosphere that fills this place and charges the spiritual DNA of this place is the atmosphere of faith. And when faith is present, things begin to happen. When faith is present, it's the invitation to the supernatural power of God to be present and do all that he wants to do. Now God is omnipotent and God is sovereign so God can work in any environment. There is no limit to his power but the environment that God chooses to operate in most, the environment that makes God feel welcome, the environment in which the Spirit of God manifests Himself with greater power is the atmosphere of faith where people are believing God for extraordinary things. And the only way that that atmosphere is cultivated is when people begin to believe God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I believe we have been praying and fasting that people would come to Jesus. This is Bold Steps, the Bible teaching of Mark Job. As Mark mentioned today, God can work in any environment, and radio is no exception. Here at Bold Steps, we believe that one of those ways that God works is through people just like you. So when you begin to live in community and begin to support those around you, you'll be supported too. And supporting one another is a great picture of what a bold partner is. When you partner with us, you'll gain the blessing of encouraging your fellow listeners with God's authentic and bold word. Plus, you'll get some personal perks as well. We've made signing up easy online at boldstepsradio.org. Or let us know you want to become a bold partner by calling one of our team members at 844-615-7363. Again, 844-615-7363. Now, when you give a monthly gift of $30 or more, we'll give you a 50% discount on the entire line of books, DVDs, and Bible studies from Moody Publishers. So don't delay become a bold partner right now. Mark, you know, this time of year is filled with so much to do. Got to get those decorations up, buying gifts and travel plans, a lot on our plates. But in the midst of all the hustle and bustle and noise, I might add, we know we need to spend time with God. Hey, Wayne, here in Chicago, there's lights on every tree. 
there's hustle bustle, uh, suddenly there's traffic jams, and it's a great celebration time. Mm-hmm. But seriously, life gets super overwhelmingly busy. It does. As believers, I feel the pull of just carving out time to spend with Jesus, especially as we come to the Christmas season, not only carving out time, but making it a meaningful celebration, yeah. not just a busy time that you end up exhausted, spending too much, eating too much, but have little to do with Jesus. This is where a Bold Step gift can help. It really does. Louis Giglio's book called At the Table with Jesus. I, I, I love the title, and I love the focus. It's all about understanding who Jesus is and the different aspects of who Jesus is. 66 devotionals specifically focused on who Jesus is. Well, this transformative resource is our gift to listeners when you become a Bold Partner or when you give a single gift of any amount to Bold Steps. And you can give a donation right now by going to our website at boldstepsradio.org. Or send your gift and request for the book At the Table with Jesus through the mail. Address your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And then don't forget, Bold Steps is now offering a way for you to get stepping in your walk with Christ, as we say, Mark. Yeah, don't forget, a lot of you have already taken advantage of this, and we're so excited of those of you that are partnering. This is a resource that comes out every Monday. It's a way for us to stay connected You'll hear words of encouragement, some personal notes, motivational uh, words, a passage of scripture that gets you off on a great Monday. So sign up today for the Bold Stepper Weekly by visiting boldstepsradio.org. And I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to come back tomorrow when we'll be learning that through faith, God can change hopeless situations. It's a message intent on inspiring you, and it's coming up Friday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.